the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. We never take for granted the blessing that it is to be able to meet and have the freedom and all the other blessings God has equipped us with to be able to do that, not only in person, but also online. Thank you for giving us a chance to help each of you become a more fully equipped and fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That is what we're here for. That's our mission statement. In these last several weeks, we've been walking through every word and phrase of that, not because we're so proud of how we put this little phrase together, but because we're so excited. These are based on God's purposes. We're not the only church who does this, but every church who their mission statement is basically the Great Commission, they're getting something right. And that's we're excited to wrap this up today with a, uh, today's sermon is actually called definition. The whole time we've been talking about there's two definitions to the word definition. One is just what things mean. So we've been looking at what each one of these things, not only to us, but just what they meant to Jesus, what they meant to the first followers of Jesus in the early church, what they need to mean to us and measuring what we think they mean against that. But most of all, what we're focused on today is as we wrap this thing up is the second meaning of the word definition. And that is the kind of definition that is clarity, that is preciseness, the kind of definition we use when we talk about a high definition TV, or we see somebody who's a bodybuilder and we say they have really good muscle definition, that there's, there's no fuzz, there's no doubt about what this, what's going on here. It's very clear. And so this statement is true, but we're praying that it becomes more true than ever before as 2021 progresses as we work together to make it more true. Helping people become fully devoted and equipped followers of Jesus defines the people of Morrison Hill Christian Church. That's where we're going today. And are are you with me on this journey? Can we we go there together? Hallelujah. It's important that we know what the definition is that we're living by. Because people will always give you other definitions. And the only one that really matters as a Christ follower is what Jesus Christ himself thinks. Every other opinion, every other definition of who you are and who you should be has to be measured against that. In 1942, a little seven-year-old girl named Ray Montague got to tour a German sub that had been captured in World War II. And where all the other people were just kind of going, wow, hey, go America, we captured a German sub. This little girl is incredibly gifted, incredibly smart, and dreamed really big dreams. And she was asking this question, what does it take to be able to be on a team that actually designs submarines and ships? And sadly, this was 1942, and the tour guide looked at her and he said, You'll never have to worry about that. Can you believe that? This amazing, gifted little person made in the image of God, and all he saw was a young black girl. And for some reason, he thought those three things were bad things, which they're not. But that's all he saw. And his definition of those three things was all he saw. Let me tell you about Ray Montague. She not only overcame all the discrimination and all the things, all the obstacles she faced in her life, she went on not only to get on that team, she designed the computers and the software that made it possible to to design ships on computers. She revolutionized how everybody in America designs ships. And she ended up leading 
the national teams until she required in the 19, retired in the 1990s. Why? Because she refused to let some stranger's definition of who she was rule her life. She knew that she was a child of God, incredibly gifted. She knew that those things that he was judging her for weren't actually weaknesses. And she knew that she was a hard worker. She was willing to do anything that it took to accomplish her dreams. And when she lived by that definition, she accomplished things that even she hadn't dreamed about. There's power in knowing who you are. There's power in living by who you are, even when it doesn't feel like it. Even when the people around you say that it's impossible. Even when you feel like it's impossible. The voices in your head feel like it's impossible. And just to be very clear, God is aware, <laughs> don't get me wrong, He's aware that there are people groups, distinct groups of people and cultures. He's aware of that. In fact, in the Bible, it specifically says that we're supposed to make disciples of every nation, every group of people. It tells us very clearly that in heaven, there's going to be people from every tribe, every language, every nation on earth. God is aware of these groups, but in His mind, there's really just two. There's His people, there's everybody else. And our job as his people is to help the people on the everybody else team join our team. It's like a cosmic game of Red Rover. Except in reverse. We want everybody. It's not in reverse. We want everybody on our team. Are you with me on this? We help people become God's people. We help people become the disciples of Jesus. We've walked through this so many times, but here's the deal. Only Jesus can provide salvation. We know this. Only Jesus can actually redefine us as people from the inside out and actually change everything. Only Jesus is a hope for the world. And so we live as his followers to help everybody leave the everybody else team and come onto the God's people team. It's not a us versus them. The scriptures are also clear that our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. I'm sure you've heard that. G.K. Chesterton says this, the true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. In other words, he loves what he is fighting for. And Jesus commands us to love even our enemies. Even the people who hate us for what we believe. Even those who hate us for defining ourselves by the teachings of Jesus. Even those who are against us. We're commanded to love them. Our passion needs to always be to help them leave the everybody else team and join the God's people team. That's the dream. I'd like you to read this scripture out loud with me. Uh, this is John 3, 16 and 17. Very, very familiar. But as you read it, I want you to listen like you haven't heard before. Really pay attention to what you're saying, especially verse 17, the part we don't quote all the time. This is the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He wants everybody to leave the everybody else team and come to his. There are only two teams. You have to be on his to win. But he wants to save you, not condemn you. 
Romans 10, verses 14 and 15 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I hope our feet get more beautiful than ever this year. See, what defines us, what defines us is the stuff that people see, the stuff that notice. Anybody besides me like to watch people do impersonations, at least if they're really good at it? And, and if, if they're really good at it, you just know who they are. I remember, it's kind of embarrassing, but I remember my senior year at Johnson. It was Johnson Bible College and Johnson University now. My senior year, the juniors did this program, and part of the program was they did impersonations of all of the seniors, and we had to guess who it was. The guy who did impersonation of me, I don't know what I was hoping he'd do, but what he did was he, he got on one side of the stage with a guitar case and he sprinted across the stage. <laughs> and every single person goes, John Pryor. Uh, several years ago at the teen center, we were doing a, a thing kind of like this, the image of God and things like that. And I was like, hey, if you were going to do a, 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 you were going to do an impersonation of me, what would you do? And every single one of them went like this. <laughs> Never noticed I do that all the time. But I love how God and the life and truth and science and people fit together. I guess I do that all the time, didn't even realize it. But you notice these things. People notice what you do even when you don't notice what you're doing. That, that, that influences their definition of you. But when you're aware of it, when you're trying on purpose to live something out, people notice that too. And that is why it's so important that we have the right definition of who we are. And that that image becomes more and more defined as we live. Second thing that we've, followed, we've gone over so many times in the last couple of weeks, but here it is one more time. We have got to be fully devoted and equipped. The good shepherd gives us everything that we need, but he demands complete commitment. He gives us everything not only to thrive, but to accomplish his will in this world. But we have got to actually follow him. We've got to go where he goes. We've got to do what he says to do. He makes it possible, but we make the choice. He leaves the, the choice up to us. Colossians 3, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, none of that stuff he's commanding us to do would be possible without Jesus Christ and his grace and the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and all the other things that God does to empower us to do this. But notice, those are commands. Those are things we have to do. We become and we keep becoming followers of Jesus Christ. The, the passage continues, the next couple verses, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Again, he empowers us to do it, but he requires us to choose to do it. G.K. Chesterton again. He says, love is not blind. That is the last thing 
that it is. Love is bound. And the more it is bound, the less it is blind. Do you know what that means? It's kind of old language, but I love it so much. He's saying love is being absolutely connected to someone, absolutely committed to someone or the cause or the person that you are following. Love is truly, it's 100% commitment. And, And anybody who's ever loved anybody ever or been loved by anyone ever in any possible way, family or a romantic relationship, any kind of love, here's what you know. As time goes by, the more you are with them, the more you discover things about them that you never even imagined. Some of those are good. Some of those are not good. But your eyes get opened more and more as time goes by, don't they? But love binds you to them regardless. Love transforms them and you in the process. Love is not blind. Love is not learning to turn a blind eye or ignore those things. Love is binding yourself more and more to them. Binding ourselves on purpose more and more to God and to each other. Paul continues, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. I love that idea of his message living among us. It's the same idea as where it says that the word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. The idea that it lives among us. The truth actually comes to life when we choose to do these things. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, I think you've heard this before. But what we're aiming for here is to daily choose to increase the definition of this picture. To get rid of all the static and all the noise and all the everything else that there may be and just focus on this is what we're about. This is what we do. These are the choices we make every day. Because... We are followers of Jesus Christ. That is who we are. That is what we do. We help people become fully equipped and fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the only Christ. He's the only Messiah. He's the only son of the only living God. It's not that we're so arrogant that our favorite way to worship or sing or talk or whatever else is the best. It's that we have, by God's grace, literally God's grace, we have discovered the one true answer in the world. We have what the whole world is looking for. We have somehow, by His grace, we're on the God's people team And we know that there's only two teams. And so we define ourselves as the followers of Jesus who help everybody else become followers of Jesus. No matter what. Matthew 7, Jesus said this. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. It's kind of a scary concept, isn't it? A little bit awkward. 
Somebody asked me this week, why, why, why is it such a narrow gate? Why isn't it a little wider? Does God just really not want anybody to come? I don't have all the answers for anybody, uh, but here's what I know. This image comes from the idea of how shepherds, and Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, they would create these shelters, these fences for their sheep. Jesus said, he is the gate. You enter through him. He is the way, the truth, the life. Here's what would happen at night. You would go into these shelters. If you were a sheep, you would go into basically just a fence or a corral. But you'd go in there. There was a very narrow opening. And it was very narrow because that's where the shepherd slept. The shepherd was the gate. And the shepherd would stand on guard all night long. This idea of it being a narrow gate is because... He is the only narrow gate. That's it. It's not that he's trying to keep everybody out. He's saying there's only one way to get in. And the reason that it's open, it's narrow on the way out, but that way, as you enter through the narrow gate, but then it says there is a narrow, um, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Every day these sheep would also be let out. And what is the road to life? Wherever the shepherd goes. Sometimes it's nice, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's mountains, sometimes it's valleys. Sometimes it's by green pastures and still waters. And sometimes it's through the valley of the shadow of death. But wherever he goes is the road to life. This is a message of hope. It's all about Jesus. We follow Jesus. We find our shelter in Jesus. We find our purpose in Jesus. We enter and we exit following Jesus. That is who we are. That is what we do. Matthew 7 continues. He warns about false prophets. He says that we'll know them by their fruit. And he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I'd like to speak just a A message of comfort to you guys this morning. As we focus on, we've got to let this define us more than ever. Sometimes what washes over us is kind of a feeling of guilt or a feeling of condemnation. We feel like, oh, that I don't do near enough. This is that 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 doesn't sound like me. Maybe I'm blown it. I've never experienced it on that level. I I don't think I. I, does, Does Jesus know me? Do I know Jesus? Those are real questions that all of us struggle with. You're not alone. Wherever you are. Wherever you are, you are not alone in that. Those are real things that we struggle. That's why we become and we keep becoming his followers. That's why daily we keep choosing to follow the shepherd. That's why daily we keep doing these things. and, and, And a lot of times we think, well, maybe I'm just not doing enough. I don't know if you saw the truth coming through here, but Jesus doesn't just want you to do stuff. He wants to know you. He doesn't want you to luck into following the same crowd wherever he's leading them. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to know his voice. He wants you to not follow or trust any other voices. That happens over time. It's the same idea of love, not being blind, but being bound. When you bind yourself to Jesus, it takes time. But little by little, you get to know him. Little by little, he gets to change you from the inside out. It's a message of hope. It's not a message of judgment. It's a message of purpose. 
Not a message of condemnation for who you've been up to this moment. But the question for all of us is, are we going to define the rest of our lives by being followers of Jesus or not? That's it. Jesus continues, same passage. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And of course, the story continues, and he said, the other houses all fall, not because they're not good house builders, but because they have a bad foundation. Our foundation is Jesus Christ himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, McDonald's and asked for a hamburger, and the person kind of puts their hand over the mic and goes, do we have hamburgers? Just in case that ever happens, leave. Just get out of the line. Just go. Because that's their business is making hamburgers. Yeah, they also have salads and pies and whatever else nowadays. But they're all about hamburgers. Are you with me? If you go to Taco Bell and you say, do you guys have tacos? And they go, hold on just a second. Let me check. Just keep on going. Get out of that line and save yourself. That's what they're about. Are you with me? It is their business. My son Ransom recently, it's a phrase, I guess it's popular, I'm just that far behind, but he's the one that introduced me to it. But he's, he's always, I'm going to make it my business to get this paper done. I'm going to make it my business to go visit my friends or something like that. I like it. Well, they, uh, We're going to go through the Great Commission one more time this morning. And here's what I need you to listen for this morning. How can you make it your business to get that done? How can you make it your business? This is who I am. This is what we do. How can we as a church do this more than ever? And again, let me, let me tell you just one, one more time. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He doesn't condemn us. The voice in your head that says, absolutely, you need to do more. And absolutely, you can through God's grace and God's power. That's the Holy Spirit. Any voice that tells you you're a complete failure and you might as well just give up, that's not the Holy Spirit. I, I'm not going to go in today to tell you who that is. I, I don't know for sure who that might be or what recording is replaying in your head. But that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit may convict you. He, may have, he will say, you've got to do better than this. But deep down inside, there's going to be a thing. And you can. And let me help. So again, listen for all of that. Listen for the conviction. Listen for the hope. Listen how you and I and us together can make this our business more than ever before. We're supposed to go. We reach out. We don't just stay in one place. We're constantly trying to meet new people. We're trying to cross the borders of, into the people that are not part of God's people yet and bring them back in. We're trying. It's an effort that we're doing. We're praying about it. We're trying things. They're not all going to work. Sometimes we're going to fail. Sometimes it's not going to work. A lot of times it's not going to work. Some of the people we love the most are going to say no. That's why Jesus said, hey, you got to love me more than even the people of your family. But we try. We keep trying. And we make disciples of all nations. That means all nations. It, who are the people we're not reaching? 
Who are the groups of people in our town, in our county, in the world that we're not reaching, that don't feel comfortable with us right this minute? We've got to figure out how, we've got to make it our business to make sure that we're reaching people that we aren't yet. How do you do that? I don't know. We're trying new things. We're trying new things this week. We're trying a bunch of different things all the time, but that's what we have to do. You, you, try new things, try it. But this is our business. This is what we do. We reach out. We try to make disciples of all groups of people. Third thing Jesus tells us to do is to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The idea of baptism, the idea of passing through water and things are different on the other, it's one of the most pervasive and clear symbols that goes all the way through the scripture and culminates in Jesus commanding it and his disciples teaching it and and implementing it relentlessly. In Acts 2.38, that's the first time anybody's told how to become a Christian. In Romans 6, 1 through 14, Paul talks about how that when we are buried with him through baptism, we're united with Jesus' death And burial, as we're raised back up, we are raised into a new life. Our sins are forgiven. We're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know we come from a lot of different church backgrounds, and some people have questions. Why do we have a baptistry right there? Why do we talk about baptism so much? Why is that so important? Why can't you just pray a prayer? Uh, let, Let me tell you, bottom line, I don't have to go into deep theology today, but here's the bottom line. It's not about baptism. It's about the complete lordship of Jesus Christ. Period. That's it. Jesus told us to baptize new believers. And if you're here this morning and you have been following Jesus for a long time and you've never been baptized, I'm not here to question your relationship or your experience. I'm not here to question that. I'm here to tell you, as someone who's been charged to tell you the truth from God's word, that Jesus said, go make disciples baptizing them. And if you've not been baptized, you you better get on that. That's pretty important. The water's heated. The little pool up there is clean. It's not magic. But following Jesus, obeying him, is powerful and transforms everything. Here's an example. In, um, in Acts 16, verses, uh, just starting with verse 31. What's going on is Paul and Silas have been imprisoned. And there's a jailer uh, who he knows he's going to get killed because all the prisoners have been set free. He doesn't know that they're not gone. They're just free, but have stayed. And the jailer calls for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. A lot of times we stop right there. And again, this is not a big treatise about baptism. I'm just explaining why we take it seriously here, why I urge you to take it seriously. It's about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It doesn't actually stop there in the text, does it? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. That was the introduction, not the plan. Are you with me? And then it goes on. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Their lives were transformed. This was Philippi, by the way. The place that Paul wrote that awesome passage we keep going back to over and over from Philippians. He wrote that to these guys. Their lives were completely transformed. 
And again, it's not about baptism. It's not about any one thing. We don't care about all these things because we just like those things. We care about them because Jesus commanded them. And we care about following Jesus. Our lives are defined by following Jesus. You still with me? Here's, here's the very end. The rest of that says to teach them to obey all the things that I command and I will be with you always. That's why we're teaching each other to obey all the things that Jesus command and why we're expecting him to be with us in that process always. This is a message of hope. This is a message, I hope, of conviction. I hope that it, you, there's something that you heard today that you go, I could do better. I need to do better. But it's a message that you can do better. You have a choice and you have been given a choice. You have also been given everything you need to accomplish those things that Jesus has called you into. And the good shepherd is there for all of us. The good shepherd wants to be the good shepherd of the entire world. And he's given us the responsibility of helping people get from the, from the everybody else team to the God team. Your job this morning, we're going to stand, we're going to sing a song like we always do. Here's your job. Enter through the narrow gate. Maybe all that means is you need to just find some shelter and rest in Jesus at this moment. Maybe it's time to repent of something that he has been telling you to not stop doing and you just haven't stopped. Maybe it's time for you to start doing something that he's been telling you to do. I don't know what he's telling you today, but you need to follow him where that is. Maybe you don't need shelter this morning. Maybe you need a kick in the pants. Maybe you need him to, to walk you out somewhere. I don't know. But again, I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I'm not wanting you to feel guilty. I'm wanting you to follow Jesus. Amen. And you can. You can say, Lord, I will follow you. Here I come. And you can do that right now. And I'm asking you to do that right now as we stand and as we sing.